In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Right. So, Amy, I think we've kind of sort of mentioned this in other times, but like when it comes to robots, Mm -hmm. what is your preferred, um, like your preferred style of robot is what I would say. Um, not I'm gonna go ahead and say not what was in this show that we watched. Um, my preferred style of robot. You mean like how real they look, or like what type of things they can do for you, or well, what are we saying? I think okay. I like a. I think I like a Rosie from mm, the Jetsons. Yeah. <laughs> I know <laughs> because she's been she... mentioned before <laughs> as one of your preferred types of robots. Yeah. I think I like her because, A, number one, I mean, this sounds pretty rude, I guess, but she's a maid. <laughs> so she does she does stuff for you like that. Um, and she's also a little bit sassy, I feel like. And, mm. I, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate the type of... <laughs> this is so stupid. Um, I appreciate the type of sass that she has because she's got, like... A little bit of an edge, which I would say is almost kind of Wait, human-like. are you just really... I think what you're talking about more is Die Die from that one episode oh. of Maybe. Jetsons. Maybe. Rosie, but doesn't, doesn't Rosie, Rosie have an attitude? Be, Rosie can be a little bit sassy, but that's not really her, like, go-to But I just thought she, like, some... Yeah, no, no, no. And I just like this... And I don't need it to be all the time sassy, but I just feel like she did... She wasn't just, like... Yes, I will bring your food. I feel like she had a little bit more character than that. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do know. What That's I mean. all I mean. Because I don't, here's what I don't like. I don't like the sass that was the robot in this show that we are talking about today. Because okay. he was sassy in a rude way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoyed it watching. But if I had a robot saying that stuff to me, I would feel attacked. <laughs> So what you're saying is, is you only want a robot who is going to be your slave, who is going to do things mm. for you, but who occasionally might have a fun quip to say yeah. back to you. I yeah. see. I think so, because here's the deal. Um, the, uh, uh, <laughs> robots... <sighs> In this show, it's tough. I mean, and we'll obviously get to what show we're talking about, but in this show, it's not super favorable for them to be <laughs> very, very smart. It 
can go wrong very quickly. Um, and, yes. And then I guess kind of a, a, a slightly connected question is like, what do you want your robots to look like? Yeah, that's tough because uh, if they're super robot-y... <laughs> This is such a silly conversation. But if they're super robot-y, I feel like I would feel more comfortable with them being my servant. <laughs> of if course. They looked, if they looked like another human, that would feel inappropriate. But them also looking super robot-y is also not my favorite. I also do really enjoy... It, like when we've seen shows or movies where the robots, I guess they're not considered robots anymore when they really look like people. That's an android. That's something different. Right. right. Um, so I think, I think the safest bet is for them to look super robot-y. I feel that keep gives everybody like a hard line, like this is a robot. <laughs> Don't fall in love with it. Maybe. <laughs> Well, I'm it sorry. It didn't work to... in this episode or in no, this show, but it didn't work out in this one. But I'm sorry to say that what is definitely true is that there are already humans on this earth who fall in love with inanimate objects. That's a whole like um, yeah con- condition isn't the right word, but it's like a psychological profile that exists. It's yeah, like people who fall in love with inanimate objects. So, well, I mean, so today we're talking about the movie Her. Um, <laughs> uh, but, we're not. But uh, so like the point, is, what I'm to say here is that I don't think it matters what um, a robot will end up looking like. Someone will want to have sex with it. Yikes. That's a definite. Um, <laughs> but the question becomes this whole thing of like, what are we using these robots for um, as their creators? What are we expecting of them? And like, so I guess it's like a multi-part. Like, what are we using these robots for? Do they have sentience? Like, so Mm -hmm. are we giving them artificial intelligence and what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And then, and all of that's leading to the final question, which is, how how much do we want these to be as though they were human beings and and what does that mean if that's what we're trying to achieve right yeah um, it's a slippery slope i think as this episode very much indicates this two part yeah. episode that uh, we're talking about today so first and foremost hello everyone and welcome <laughs> to see you next week in space. I am Sarah Walsh. I am here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell our listeners what television program we are discussing this week? So we are talking about the show called The Orville, or The Orville, depending on how you pronounce things. Um, I never heard of this show. Apparently, it uh, started in 2017. I was a little bit surprised it was so recent, and it is still going. Why? Does it look old to you? It doesn't look old. I just had never heard of it, or I never... Ah, it, not okay. that this kind of stuff is on my radar, but I just... Uh, anyway. Um, 
And yeah, we watched episodes uh, from what season? I think season two. You said yeah. It this was? is season two. Um, and it was episode. Uh, it was a two part episode. Yeah, I think it's a season two, episodes eight and nine. But I did forget to put that in. The yeah, I think that's right though. Um, and the episodes are called Identity Part One and Two. Um, originally airing in twenty nineteen. Um. So what you said on this outline is that there's just two seasons, but there's maybe some more coming or something like that. Yes, that's yeah. So going back to what this is season two, episodes eight and nine. Um, And yes, from what I was able to surmise and deduce with the Internet, um, like there's a plan for a third season. Um, there's a big jump or big gap now between seasons two and three. And Mm -hmm. that's in part because the first two seasons were on Fox. Um, and then they were going to change to Hulu. So that already was probably part of the reason why there was quite Mm -hmm. a bit of space between season two and three. And then I have to assume that the pandemic fucked up you know, whatever filming or something was going to be happening. Um, yeah. So they might be filming now uh, <clears throat> the next season, but, you know, that's because, like, the... Because season two and... Yeah, season two ends a, over two years ago. It w- The last yeah. episode was um, the 25th of April, 2019. So... Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, between this shift from Fox to Hulu and then pandemic, I think that's to me the reason why. Yeah, the timing was bad for them. The third season, yeah. But everything on the various like online discussions of this suggests that season three is like a real thing that's happening and not just kind of hopes and dreams. Yeah. And what I found interesting, I really, I didn't look up too much about it because I wanted to learn about it in real time (laughs) but I looked up a little and saw that it's uh categorized as like comedy Mm sci-fi which I I thought was interesting because I a don't feel like I have seen that much and I will say of comedy sci-fi you mean you feel like you haven't seen that as a genre yeah I feel like usually sci-fi takes itself very seriously yes at least unless it's like completely cuckoo like you know killer clowns from outer space or like Jason X or something but even those ones that we categorize as cuckoo I'm not sure that they thought they were cuckoo when they were making them I have to assume everyone involved in those particular (laughs) films knew what they were doing. (laughs) Jason X, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like maybe they took that seriously. I'm not sure. It's hard to know. But um, this, I felt like there were a couple of lines, and I can't remember any of them. I should have probably written them down, but I didn't. I feel like there were a couple of lines that did get me, and I did tickle me and make me laugh a bit. Um, Yeah. Whether it be, like, making fun of something sci-fi or, like, an, a legitimate joke. I thought there were a few good one-liners in there. Yeah. And so that is actually a good segue into some of the other stuff that I thought would be good to say about this show before we talk about the specific episodes. So mm-hmm. um, part of the reason why this is billed as a comedy sci-fi is because of the show creator, yeah. Seth MacFarlane. 
um, who is of Family Guy fame in particular. Um, And in fact, he is the reason that I was, that I have not ever seen this show before watching it for this. Because Um, you don't like him? I do not like him. Uh, Mainly just because like, when Family Family Guy is not your thing? Well, when it first came out, I was like, yeah, this is pretty funny. But, like, I think it's more that, you know, particularly in the realm of comedy over the past, let's say, 10 years, there's been a lot of really major shifts in terms of, like, what is actually a lot, like, and I don't mean being canceled or not canceled. That's, like, stupid. What I mean to say is, like, people are like, that joke is, like, really offensive um and it always was or lazy yes and it always was and now we're just sick of hearing the same stupid shit from these same types of people over and over and over again um and definitely family guy for quite a lot of what was like creative about it admittedly there was quite a lot of stuff that like just I was like this and I and I guess that's what was pleasant to see comparing this show to that like Family Guy was something that I think Seth MacFarlane when he started doing it was maybe in his like early 30s or something Mm -hmm. and so it was a lot of like girls didn't like me when I was young and so now I'm kind of a dickhead you know like all that kind of it was a lot of that energy coming out of that show sure in my opinion um and that informed the quote-unquote humor that the show was delivering right Mm -hmm. um pretty juvenile um but then also like kind of needlessly misogynistic or cruel when you're like you know if you want to do this dumbass joke like you could do all you have to do is like work two minutes harder and then it would actually still be funny, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um and it would still basically be the same joke. It would just be done like in a more, more clever cleverly. way. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's not like I feel like I don't think that it's like, oh, we can't make fun of this anymore. I don't agree with that. But it is like, well, if you're gonna, but like, know that if you're gonna do a joke about this topic, then you, you actually have to really like work hard at it. Like, if that's what you wanna do. Like, yeah. Um, and that was just not really the family guy way of doing anything. So, because of that, I was very reticent to ever engage with this show um, because people, I remember when it did come out, they're like, oh, you would really like it because it's like, it's like a hundred percent inspired by Star Trek. That's obvious. Um, and so people were like, Oh, you, you probably would like it. And I'm like, but I just don't like Seth MacFarlane. Now I should also clarify what I didn't like about Seth MacFarlane. And I probably still don't is not because he's one of these creeps who is a sexual assaulting man. Like, um, <laughs> that's not what you disliked about him. That part you were like, cool, cool. No, that I was like, oh, great. Are you a sexual assaulter? Cool. Um, no, what I mean to say is when I was looking around about him, I didn't see one whiff of allegations against, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I was like, oh, I can just dislike him as a person, but it is not because, uh, and I feel like in, in this current moment, it's important to say the reason I don't like him is because 
he seems like kind of a dickhead, not because like oodles of women are coming out of the woodwork saying this guy wouldn't like work with me unless I slept with sure. him or something, you know. Um, sure. So I, mean, I feel that's be... important to make clear. Yeah, people can be assholes independently of being actual criminals. <laughs> yes, I mean, obviously the entirety of Hollywood is basically an asshole. Um, but as you say, it, unfortunately, we've not gotten to the point where that is actually a crime against humanity. So, oh my God, if it is, if it ever became a crime to be an asshole, there would be no humanity left because we'd all be in prison. <laughs> indeed. Um, so, Although at the same time, I think it should be a crime to be an asshole. <laughs> all, all within good reason. Um, but so anyway, it's a Seth MacFarlane production um, who I didn't know this about him, but apparently he really loved lots of science fiction stuff. And so this hmm. is like meant to be an homage to that. Um, and however, the first season was not particularly well liked. Um, people were like, it's not even that funny. <laughs> no, it's definitely, it's um, definitely, well, when you, when it's, I will say like when it's billed as comedy sci-fi, yeah, I think I, that's, that's taking it a bit far. It's like yeah. there are some good jokes. And but... it definitely has a little bit of a lighter heart than maybe some other sci-fi things. But I think if you're going in thinking it's going to be like Family Guy or like that, that that energy is not the, in this. No, like it's, no. It's, it's still got a some, science like I said, fiction it's got, show. Like yeah, like I said, it's got some little... It. Yeah. Right, it's got some little quips and it's got some little like... Ba-dum-bums, but like the, I that's it like it's yeah. not uproarious yeah. by any means no and in fact there are some wackier specifically like comedic sci-fi things like mystery science theater 3000 um yeah. there that does exist um we we personally haven't gone very much into that because honestly sometimes for me I'm like this is like hacky on top of like hacky it's like too much <laughs> Um, yeah, but so, so I actually do think that this approach of like, we're just going to say some, we're going to have some stuff kind of like folded in yeah. and it's going to be humorous is yeah. fine. Um, but for whatever reason that did not work for people during the hmm. first season, it was not really like the hit that Fox, I think expected it was going to be because of it, the Seth, Seth MacFarlane of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, the the second season, however, uh, critics and audience members liked quite a bit more. Hmm. So we're, and in particular, the reason I found this episode was because I Googled, like, what are, like, well-known... Best episodes. Two, well, like, two-parter mm. sci-fi episodes, because um, as we should also say, we're doing a two-parter this week where we will talk about the first part this week and the second part next week. Um, and we had, this is the first two-parter we've ever planned, specifically. <laughs> um, and so I was Googling, like, what are good TV episodes, two-parter sci-fi? And this, like, was, I think those search terms were also somehow weird for Google to understand. Um, that is, I mean, it is specific. Because <laughs> uh, I wasn't getting a lot of turnaround on that. But <laughs> this was one of the episodes that was mentioned. And it was specifically, like, this 
one, this two-parter was part of what like started showing like probably this is a decent show and it's found kind of like its rhythm and Mm -hmm. whatever. And so that is like the context of this particular, like where this episode falls into the larger. And there's some good people in it. Like, I mean, uh, obviously we're going to talk about the cast, but you know, I was a little surprised by some of the people. I mean, I was actually, I didn't know the whole background. So actually when I first saw Seth MacFarlane, I was like, wait, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I just want to quickly mention showing just how like connected to the Star Trek universe this show really is, is this particular episode was written by Brandon Braga or Braga. I never know how to pronounce his last name, who is a long time, uh, next generation alum. He started off as like an intern on that show and then as a writer always, well, no. So he began as just an intern at, oh. in TNG, and then he was a writer, and then mm-hmm. he went on to become producer and executive producer, both for the later episodes of TNG, and then definitely by Deep Space Nine and Voyager, he was like the main showrunner. Um, and he's and he's executive producer of the Orville as well. Oh, okay. Um, so this is so the linkages between this show and Star Trek. Are, sp- are purposeful, first of all, I think is important hmm. to know. And very, like, it's not just the stories, and it, it's like even the production people who did the one are doing this, right? So That's, that's um, interesting. It's a very purposeful kind of connection between those two things. Even though, to be clear, this does not have anything to do with Star Trek. It is not... They're not part of Starfleet. They're it's part not of, part of that same world. No. no. Yeah. Um, Thank they, God. <laughs> they have a planetary union rather than the United Federation of Planets. Um, similar, though, they are similarly set kind of in the same window as Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, this series takes place in the 25th century, um, early 25th century, because I... Again, like I often do, I went back and watched some of the pilot stuff in case oh, yeah. that was going to be helpful for later. Um, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even like, uh, I don't know if that's to the show's credit or what, or just the, the way that I don't care. But um, <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even question like what time period this was at all. I was just like, mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's early, it, like it doesn't even matter, but it's early 2400s. Okay, fair enough. Um, and I was all—I thought what you meant is like I didn't wonder about any previous backstory, and I didn't there, really that either, to be honest. There is like, a bit of backstory that may matter, but I don't think it does because that is like to me one of the things I like about all of the Star Trek different iterations of that when it's a TV show mm-hmm. is because, and we've talked about this before, that it is episodic so there's a certain amount of character development that happens with you know the main cast but it's not really important like you can just drop in and you can figure it out like it's not yeah yeah like in this one there was clearly a backstory going on um with this robot and this particular character like but it was but you got it enough in this episode to see like what the deal was. You don't, I don't need to see every single episode where she's like falling in love with a robot or whatever. Like I get it. Right. 
Um, so let's talk about now. This is this is just the cast that I felt were like the most important named characters for the story that happens yeah. in these two two episodes. As yeah. with all of these ty- these versions of science fiction shows, it's a much bigger ensemble where some people uh, are more important to stories on a given week than others are. Yeah. Um, so this is not everybody. These are just the people who are the most important to this particular story. So yeah. We'll begin with Captain Ed Mercer, played by the man himself, Seth MacFarlane, um, which is not weird necessarily because he also voiced a lot of the characters in Family Guy. Um, yeah. But I I always get a little bit irked when a person who's written a show is also like, and it's starring me. And it's me. And <laughs> produced. And, uh, mm, and mm, mm, I did everything. <laughs> um, but so he was 46 when this episode aired. Um, what I didn't know about, I knew he was a New Englander. Uh, but what I didn't know is that he actually uh, got his degree in animation at RISD. Oh, that's interesting. And for those of you who don't know that, that is the Rhode Island School of Design. It's a very prestigious art school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I presume that studying animation there is probably like like a very good feather in your cap if you want to become a professional animator. I mean, it seemed to work for him. <laughs> Certainly. Um, because as soon as he finished at RISD, he then started working for what at the time was called Hanna-Barbera Productions, which we've talked Hmm. a bit about Hanna-Barbera before. Mm -hmm. Um, that's now become like, I think it's now called Cartoon Network Productions, but because all of that got subsumed. Um, and he created Family Guy in 1999, and I think... It first airs in 1999 as wow. well. Um, I can't believe it's that old. That's wild. Yeah, I had kind of forgotten that as well. Um, he's also done those Ted movies where, <laughs> which... Was he in that or was he, did he play Ted, he, the character? Yes, he voiced the bear Ted. He voiced, got it. And as you'll see in my outline... You wrote Black. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she, just, it just, she just wrote, has also done the Ted movies Black. <laughs> that's because my this I, that's my reaction to the Ted movies, which is ugh, yeah. Like. Um, that I think actually the Ted movies because I don't even think I watched the second one. I'm I I have a I memory not. of watching the first one, and the first yeah. one is exactly what we were talking about before of just this like super lazy like bro comedy that yes. is like such a turnoff. Um, <laughs> so that was his style for quite some time. Um, yeah, I mean, and and I'm not defending it, but in the defense, <laughs> um, that time, and I can't remember when. Yeah, Ted it was. Came out, it was not that like time it stood was, out like that was the humor of the age. For yeah, sure. w- like, which is which is like kind disgusting. of in and of itself unfortunate, <laughs> but it just is the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I thought was more interesting, again, like I didn't realize this about him when I went back into his. Uh, his IMDb page, um, his very first acting credit is that he made a Star Trek fan film. Oh, that's like, hilarious. When he was young. Um, so, so this actually, so there's something now that I actually quite like, which is like, oh, you, this is a legitimate thing that you've loved and you had 
You all Unlike, might be good friends in real life, and you've just, I like, don't know. I, Dad, I, <laughs> let's not go crazy, Amy. Um, but what I mean to say is, like, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, if I become rich and famous, I would love to do this thing that I loved as a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually been, now he's done that. And so there's something nice about seeing someone actually, like, being able to fulfill that dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also did a bit part in Star Trek Enterprise as well. That's very um, funny. And he's also, and I guess what I should also say is, um, though he's done uh, really a lot of voice acting, unsurprisingly, um, he he is often not a live action actor. Yeah. So this is one of his first kind of forays into doing that. Yeah, which um, I would say, like, he did a good job of that. He's perfectly I, like, fine at it. I mean, I think, no, I was going to say something kind of controversial, which is, like, sometimes the captain in these shows, like, there's, like, a formulaicness to it. So kind of almost, yeah. in a sense, it's like anyone could do that role. But I don't think that's really true because when you really think about the people who have done it and done it well, like um, Patrick Stewart, like William (laughs) Shatner, like, Mm -hmm. um, now I'm forgetting her name. Um, The the actress. Voyager. Yes. You know, Voyager. (laughs) Yeah. Kate Mulgrew. Oh yeah, Kate Mulgrew. Like, those actors are very good actors who mm-hmm. bring their personality to a role that is like, I am captain. Captains do X, Y, and Z, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you have to have something, I think, to actually do it right. Um, and he's doing okay in this. I also, uh, when I, especially in the earlier episodes that I watched, I was like, I think he's doing a Shatner voice. <laughs> like, he might be. Uh, there's well, something also, about his delivery that like sounded very Shatner to me. Well, and also because he probably like his own voice. I can't picture what his like just natural voice is to be honest, but sure. it might be. It's like because we've got such a connotation of him, it might be sort of comical to hear his voice. So he maybe was trying to like cover it sort of, yeah, if that makes maybe. sense. I don't know. And also it reminds me, you didn't put it on here, so I'm not sure, but there's at one point in the episode, there is a there is a character that's a blob of goo, like yes. a big booger. Yes. And was that Norm MacDonald's voice or was yes, that Seth MacFarlane? Okay. No, it was Norm MacDonald's voice. Okay. Got it. And we that can talk about that when we get to Yaffet, it. But that by the way. That I thought it was Yaffet. a big booger on the floor, but like... Um, Isaac, we were watching it and Isaac was like, that voice, I just, and I was like, I think it's Norm MacDonald. And he's like, yes, that's right. And I was like, I didn't bother to look it up. I just assumed I was right, but. It is. That's funny. You are 100% correct. Um, The next character, we can talk about Yafit. He plays an important role later. Yeah, yeah. Um, The next character is Commander Kelly Grayson. Played by Adrian Palicki, who uh, was 46 at the time of airing. Little correction, she was 36, not 46. I recognized her right away, but then it took me a while to figure out from where. Yeah. Um, 
And for me, that was a show that I watched for a while, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was in that. Mm-hmm. Um, she has been around uh, since the early 2000s. I think I, I think I recognized her from an episode of Criminal Minds. <laughs> that's why I put that in there, because I was like, I bet that's yeah. how Amy knows her. Um, yeah, definitely. I can't picture the episode she's in right at the moment, but definitely that's what it was. Yeah. Um, she had worked with, she'd done voices on various shows of McFarlane's, um, mm. including Robot Chicken and Family Guy. Oh. Uh, so that I assume that's at least partially probably one of the connections to how she ended up doing this role. She yeah. also had a fairly longish run on Friday Night Lights, which I never watched, but I know that some people got real into that show. Oh, oh, see, I, you know, what's so funny is I was picturing the other lady. <laughs> I just Britton? No, not Connie Britton. No, 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 no. I was picturing the other lady in the show when we were saying this. And that's funny. When we were oh, saying, you were picturing the doctor that I'm about yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, no, I thought I recognized lady. her from Criminal Minds. Okay. She maybe anyway. was also in Criminal Minds, too. <laughs> uh, I don't recall. Um, the next character is Dr. Claire Finn, played by Penny Johnson Gerald, who was 58 when this was released. I recognized her immediately, but again, couldn't figure out where from. Yeah. Um, and then... One of her most recent roles is definitely the one that I recognize her from, which is she was on Castle, and she oh. was the boss. She was like the police, I, I guess, I don't know. She wasn't the police chief of the whole city, but she was like the captain of the station. Okay. Um, and so as soon as I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, that okay, good. Load off my mind, because I've now figured out why I recognize this lady. Um, but she... Uh, has had a really long and pretty good TV career in particular. Um, Her first credit is in 1983, and from there she starts getting a series of different, like mostly one-off roles, but some kind of longer character arcs throughout the 80s. That kind of carries on into the early 90s. And by the mid-90s, she is having, like, she's, like, more of a series regular. She's on the Larry Sanders show as a character named Beverly Barnes. And I think that show is a bit, like, too old for us. Mm. Uh, Like, we were alive when it was going on, but it was, like, aimed at adults and we were, like, 12 and 8, you know? So that was not going to be on our radar. Um she also did uh, a bit of a series regular stint on Star Trek Deep, Deep Space Nine. So mm. she also has some of that in her background. And then she, well, was, she was also on ER. She was on ER. She was also did two seasons of 24. Um, mm. So she's a pretty like well-known person. Holly, she's been mix. on like every <laughs> yeah, like, crime I procedural, except for Criminal Minds, it seems. Um Wow, that's interesting. I really recognize her, and I can't place what exactly it's from. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Next, we have a character named Isaac, played by Mark Jackson, who was 37 when this aired. Um, He's a British actor. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though he is 37... He only has a very small amount of IMDb credits, so I'm not sure if that means he does more, like, theater work or something else. Hmm. Um, 
But this is by far his biggest thing he's ever done, at least mm-hmm. in terms of what's on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, I feel like if you're the actor who plays Isaac, that's kind of a bit of a rough one because do you, you want think? to describe what Isaac looks like? Like no one's going to know who you are. Well, yeah, no one's going to know who you are. Like, okay, well, here's the thing. If you want fame, yeah, no, this ain't it. <laughs> but if you this want... This is not the role that's going to get you face face recognition in the country. Nah. Like, no, 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 no. But if you want steady work and to like come in to work in sweatpants... Although, do you think his he his body was actually in that outfit? That's what I assume. It doesn't say that it's done by like that. It's you know because yeah, because it's not like that. actually like CGI. It does seem like it's right. a person no. in a thing. Oh no, it's definitely a person in a thing. What I mean to say is like when we've had these types of robots in other episodes, it yeah. always delineates if if one person is just the voice and another person is the body. Oh, okay. In okay. this case, it's just this one guy. So I have to assume that he is both the body and the voice. Okay. Of so this entity. Yeah, what he looks like is like basically in my opinion like a typical robot sort of is like his head is fully metal with like some glowing eyes. Um, and he's wearing like a silver outfit. <laughs> yeah, like so from the neck down, he's got a, a basically a human body. Um, yeah. But then all covered in like a silver outfit. Um, yeah. But then from the neck up, he looks like the brave little toaster. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. And I have questions. Like the we'll brave get little to toaster and like the iron giant. He's one of, um, I think actually, and I haven't watched enough episodes now, but I think this was a purposeful choice in a sense to be like this thing that I was talking about when he opened, which is like, how much do we want this to look like a human being? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the body looks quite human, but the face is literally just a metal sheen that is Mm -hmm. in the, and the head is the shape of a human head, but Mm -hmm. there is no mouth. There is no nose. There's only just these little eyes and they light up in blue. Mm -hmm. And they're unlike in other kind of constructed entities we've seen in different shows before. It seems very clear to me that there is kind of an active effort to be like, don't make it look as though you're human. Don't try and like mm-hmm. anthropomorphize this or like don't move your head in a particular, you know, like it, he looks very mechanical. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a purposeful choice yeah. on someone's part. I don't know if it's his part or if that's actually like direction he's getting. Um, yeah. But this particular android such as it is is not meant to be like other ones that we see where it's like oh they're learning how to like use their eyebrows properly and they're learning how to mimic human emotions and mimic like human patterns of speech that is not what's happening here Mm -hmm. so I and and I think that's important to how this story unfolds Um, yeah 
And then the final character that we need to know by name is uh, Dr. Claire Finn's youngest son, Ty Finn, played mm-hmm. by an actor named Kai Wenner, I think is how I might pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, I have adorable. No, he's super cute. I have no idea how old he is because his parents who manage all of his social media have purposefully buried that information. <laughs> Probably uh, smart. Because they're like, we want him playing a 10-year-old until he's mm-hmm. 47. Well, he, well, he looks um, young. So if he's actually like 17, <laughs> like, they can probably get some good... Uh, yeah. Get that Webster money. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been on Twitter. He's got a Twitter account. Uh, and he's been on Twitter since 2017. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know what that means. But like, um, he also is on Instagram and his Instagram says specifically, like in the bio, it says account managed by my parents. Um, Cute. So I have to assume he's probably at this stage, maybe around 12. Um, yeah, that sounds and, about right. And again, just based on looking at going through his Instagram and stuff, um, it looked like maybe he started as a kid model mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and still seems to be doing a bit of that as well. Um, his first IMDb credit is in 2012, so nine mm. years ago. So, like, I think oh. he would have been Whoa. super small. Yeah, like a well, baby, if he's 12, an inf- yeah. A toddler or something. Um, and at the moment, he has nine total credits on IMDb. Um, and okay. much like Mark Jackson, this is his biggest gig so far, at least according to IMDb. Mm-hmm. Well, he's super cute. I liked him. I thought he was a good little actor, too, to be honest. No, he's a good actor. He's extremely cute. Um, yeah. And I hope that, you know, he's not being ruined right now as we speak. Right? Well, I mean, the world has a tendency to do that to innocent children, but... Particularly those in the acting game because of how Hollywood yeah. is full of assholes. Um, Full circle. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, I'm trying to work on my callbacks. <laughs> that was a good one. And to call back, you need to remember what you said, which is Yeah, tough. that's a hard part. Um, but this actually opens up nicely into the opening scene because it's with Ty and his older brother, Marcus, that this particular episode begins. Um, and they're playing a game with their best pal, Isaac, who is this android. Um, And I think there's some bits here where, like, uh, oh, like, Isaac wins the game. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, already we see how, to me, like, Isaac is being differentiated from other types of androids we've seen on different science fiction shows because he doesn't let the kids win. Yeah, and he tells them that they're dumb. Yeah, <laughs> basically, he's, he's like, he's specific- "I am superior, superior he's, to you." Yes, he says specifically, "My intelligence exceeds yours." I loved that. I actually loved it. <laughs> like, I mean, like it was so rude, and that's what the part I was referring to before, like how I wouldn't, if I were living in this world, this type of robot would annoy me um, because it would tell me constantly how it was smarter than me, um, but. Watching it as a show, I found it very comedic, especially saying it to children. Right. So that's the whole thing is like, so this will be revealed later, but like the reason Isaac is on this ship is because 
and here I want to say he, but again, I'm not sure that that's the appropriate pronoun to apply to this entity. I feel like they, I feel like they called him he a bunch. Oh, okay. But like I can't other remember, humans but... called him he, but I'm yeah. not sure if they, if the Kalons called Yeah, maybe they didn't. I, I didn't notice. Um, but anyway, the point is like, this is not an, like, so he's gone to this crew so he can learn about humanity and presumably he has learned but he he is not changing himself to fit into that right like just he's like i he might be able to even explain to you i understand that normally someone would let a kid win but Mm, yes but he would say but that's what humans would do because that's a human thing to do Mm -hmm. i'm not doing that because i am not human and so there we go like you know yeah Um, so, but nonetheless, even though seemingly this is quite on, would be quite unpleasant, the kids love it. Um, they have a great time with Isaac. Claire comes home. This is her house, by the way, if it wasn't clear. Um, Mm -hmm. she comes home and she and Isaac are like, we have something to talk to you about, boys. And I forget if Ty is the one who anticipates it or if it's Marcus, but one of them is like, you guys are dating, right? And this takes Claire and Isaac by surprise because whatever they've been doing, they were under the impression that they have been keeping it quite under wraps. Mm -hmm. Um, But the kids already know, apparently the entire ship knows about this relationship. And like... I always find this really interesting when shows portray it because it's so not like how I reacted to any partners that our divorced parents had. Um, the kids are like, yeah, it's great, and we love this guy, and everything's great. Good for you, Mom. Like, um, Yeah. That was never my reaction. Um, but to no, be fair, we weren't our, as parents, involved. <laughs> our parents never brought home an android, and that might have changed things. I hear, well, mm, (laughs) uh, true, possibly, it's hard to know, but uh, (laughs) I suppose, I I feel like as a kid, this android would not have been one that would, I would have liked, because I don't think that as a kid, and probably even now, I don't like brutal honesty. <laughs> sure. Um I not to say that I like people to lie to me, but I think um I I might need a fair bit of sugar coating for me to mm. <laughs> mm. or just like the anyway, but yes, I guess th- it's hard to compare. Our parents did not bring home robots. So no. As far as we know, that never happened. That's a good point. <laughs> there could be a super advanced, you never sentient know. android life form that somehow I our parents ran across at some point. That's true. Um, but nonetheless, in this family scenario, everyone's super jazzed about this coupling. Um, and just as everything seems like it's going great, Isaac like unexpectedly falls to the ground and seems like he's completely deactivated. And everyone's Mm -hmm. like, 
Oh no. And that's our cold open. <laughs> and then we go to the credits. Um, and I don't need to really talk about credits usually very much, but all I want to say is that this credit sequence is like almost note for note the credit sequence from Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I didn't pay too much attention to the credit sequence, to be honest, but I so I didn't notice that, and I wouldn't have probably noticed anyway, but that's interesting. Yeah, it's very similar, and it's exceptionally long as a credit sequence, huh. um, in my opinion, particularly because, like, we I know we've talked about credits before. Like, in 2017, this is a credit sequence that fully goes for a solid 90 seconds or Yeah, longer. that is long. Um, and that was just a bit of a surprise to me. But nonetheless, we open up, we see a title card that says Identity. That's the name of this episode and the second episode that we're going to be talking about. And we have now arrived in sick bay where Isaac is laid out on a table and the various senior staff of the Orville are standing kind of all around him being like, well, what do we do? Um... And in particular, what I thought was really interesting is that I forget which one of them asks this, but they were like, well, does this mean he's dead? Like, is this what dead is for yeah. the Kalon? Because that's the name of his culture is Kalons. Yep. Um, so they're like, well, what, like, so then that brings up this ethical issue of like, well, if he's dead... We're what not we meant, do? like, we're not meant to try and turn him back on, are we? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and so, uh, they're kind of just like, we just don't know enough about his culture or even about his construction to know, even like, even if we wanted to fix him, we don't really know how we would, kind of thing, right? Um, so the captain, Ed Mercer, uh, is like, okay, well, I'm gonna get in touch with uh, the admiral to see if he has any suggestions about what we might need to do. Because basically they're like, I think if we're going to do anything, we probably need to take him back to Kalon to ask his people what is happening because we don't know, mm-hmm. you know, what right. to do. So that we then go to Ed speaking to the Admiral, basically being like, can I have permission to go to the Kalon planet. And I was pretty excited because the guy who played the Admiral in this was also one of the legends when we did the DC Legends of Tomorrow. Mm, mm-hmm. So that was fun for me. Yeah. Um, but basically what that Admiral says is like, yeah, I guess it's fine for you to go to the Kalon planet. We've been trying to encourage them to join the Planetary Union. So this is like maybe a good opportunity to keep working on that because... Uh, Isaac was sent by the Kalon to the Union as an emissary. And they were like, we want to learn more about human culture. Here's this one person, like one android that we I had to look to up what it. the word emissary meant, by the way. And what does it mean? I forget. But basically, it means uh, like... <laughs> but basically why, it means- even, <laughs> why even bring up the edutainment part of the show if you're not going to do the eduating about I it. know I'll do the I'll do the I'll google it again um but I think if I remember correctly it's something like a unit that is sent somewhere to find information basically a person or sent on a special mission okay well mm, usually as a diplomatic representative correct 
So he had, so he was like a special role that the Kalons had sent specifically and it was like an official thing. And so basically what the Admiral is saying is like, yeah, I guess if you bring back this, you know, now deactivated thing, um, maybe that's an opportunity for us to build some more relations with the Kalons, which is what we want to do anyway, which is why Mm -hmm. they even allowed an emissary in the first place. Mm -hmm. So Ed's like, okay, great. But then the Admiral, Admiral pointedly reminds him, Kalon is quite a ways away from Earth, so when you get out there, you're basically on your own. Mm. And, and like, the Admiral, did we say, wait a second, did we say, um, if the Admiral's the dude who's like at the desk on Earth, I guess, or wherever, right? Yes. And do we say, we didn't say that that's Victor Garber. Yes, I said he's from Legends oh. of Tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't even listen. Oh, because I don't know him from that. I forgot about that. But he's Victor Garber from all the other things that Victor Garber's in. <laughs> yes, he's great. Actually, quite a lot of the people who play admirals in this show are people who have played admirals in Star Trek before. That's so and, funny. And other notable characters. Um, I know him more from like musical theatery type of stuff. I think yes. he's played like Daddy Warbucks and stuff like that. Oh, he I, he seems like he'd be a good Daddy Warbucks. Yeah. Um. So anyway, the this is gonna be this is foreshadowing. He's like, you're welcome to go out there, but like, do know that like you're going out of our territory and you're gonna be all by yourself while you're out there. Yeah. Now, at that time. Ed is not particularly worried about that because he's under the impression that everything is fine. So yeah. he's heading out there without kind of the full understanding of what is to transpire. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in sick bay, uh, Isaac remains defunct on one of the beds in sick bay. And Ty is talking to him similar to how I guess you would tell like someone to speak to someone who's got in a coma, you know, mm-hmm. like you can talk to them and maybe they'll hear you. We don't know sort of thing. And he's saying yeah. like, you know, I want you to marry my mom, all this like lovey dovey family, family stuff. Uh, Claire comes in and overhears what Ty is saying. And she's very touched of course. Um, but she's also very saddened because like, Nobody knows what's going on. And so she's like, why don't you head back to our quarters? I'll be there soon. Mm-hmm. So Ty goes off. And I will say, like, this episode in particular, these two, this two-parter, there's even less humor than would normally be oh, in really? this show. Because she has this very touching moment where she, like, leans over him, over Isaac, I mean, yeah. and, like, whispers... I love you. Please don't go. Um, yeah. And, sh- and she delivers that line like really, like she really commits to this and does a really excellent job. Um, and so we're seeing how Isaac has come to mean quite a lot to this family mm-hmm. in the time, however long he's been on the ship. Yeah. And they never make that clear particularly, do they? No, no. Yeah. And it, like that's part of why I wanted to go back is I wanted to see how yeah. this relationship transpires, but I haven't gotten to those episodes yet. Got it. Um, so on the bridge, we've now arrived at the Kalon planet. Uh, Ed hails the surface 
and says, like, we've got the Kalon Emissary. He, activa- he deactivated suddenly. We're not entirely sure what happened, and we were just wondering if we could land, and could you consult on this, and please, you know, let us know. Mm-hmm. Then the entire Orville ship and its crew are scanned, um, mm. and it's not until after that that they're given landing coordinates on the surface of the Kalon planet. Mm. So then they land, and there is like a very cool set of shots where the ship is going down to the surface, and there's like all kinds of clouds. And yeah. so there's some good shots of like seeing the ship, seeing the clouds. There's also like very big spires like sticking up into the cloud cover. And yeah. as you come down out of the clouds, you see this built this surface that is super duper built up. Um, yeah. Which makes sense to me in in the way of like, well, they're artificial life forms, so they have turned they would whatever build a lot nature of artificial stuff. Yeah. So whatever nature might have been on this planet, it like there's no evidence of that anymore. Yeah. Um, it's all these like big tall buildings and like crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So they land on the surface. The senior staff, including Claire and the defunct Isaac, di- di- uh, what's the word? Like disembark from the ship. Yeah. And I did, I mean, I don't know if this was a sight gag or what, but they're like, quote unquote, wheeling Isaac out on a stretcher, but the stretcher has no legs because it's like an anti-gravity Oh, I didn't thing. even notice that. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so they they carry him into kind of like the entryway or foyer of this big building. And there's this very unsettling opening bit where they come in and there's all these Kalons standing at a wall, like facing the wall. And the wall has like lights trickling up and down it. And so I think maybe the wall is supposed to look like some sort of computer interface or something. Um, And then everyone who's standing at the wall turns their metal heads simultaneously and looks at the crew but yeah. doesn't say anything and i was like ooh i don't creepy like creepy as hell this <laughs> super creepy um but anyway then appears a character called Kalon Primary and Kalon Primary is i guess kind of it would be the human equivalent would be like I'm the king of this world. Yeah. And these people and they all listen to me. Yep. And so Kalon primary comes out, the crew sh- kind of puts Isaac forward and they say as you can see here your emissary has stopped functioning. We're not entirely sure what has happened um mm-hmm. and we were wondering if you could offer any ideas or advice. The mm-hmm. primary says, oh, like, it's totally fine. Um, you shouldn't be worried. This deactivation is as planned because what happened is as soon as he learned all he was designed to learn about human beings, he he deactivated. That was, like, built into the program of what he was supposed to do. And now that he's back, basically, we're going to download the information that he collected And then he's going to be repurposed and given a new task. 
And oh, uh-huh. what were you going to say? I was just going to say that's sad a little bit. I mean, for them, obviously, like as in a human sense, that's sad. Right. Well, that's the whole thing. So perhaps more concerning to them because like even in human land and especially for these people who are part of this planetary union it's not unusual to be like I had an assignment that assignment is completed and now I'm going to be given a new assignment that's pretty normal actually and from what I gather of people who are like military service people now that's it's like this is my task I've completed it and now I'm given a new one and maybe I move and maybe you know like That's Mm -hmm. pretty standard. What I guess is the real kind of uh, area of sadness for the crew of the Orville is that it's pretty clear from Kalon Primary's description of what's about to happen is that Isaac will not be returning to Earth and he will not be remaining on the Orville. He's going to have a completely new thing that he's going to be responsible for doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that is more why they have a reaction of like surprise and sadness when that is revealed. Um, Because I guess the thing there is that they, I don't know, that's a bit weird to me. They didn't seem to think that there was ever going to be an end to this emissary situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know why they wouldn't think that, but that seems to be how they're reacting. Yeah. Um, and I get, and maybe more to the point is like this seems very abrupt and sudden to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I well, like I mean, five seconds before he went down or whatever you want to call it, they were like, "We're getting married. We're in love." I mean, I guess she didn't yeah. say we're getting married, but like, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I guess again, this is just reiterating this: the very true truly alien nature of this culture compared to our own right whereas if and and the thing is is I don't even think that has to do with whether this culture is biological and the other one isn't I think that it's equally likely that a different species of biological people might be like oh I didn't tell you because that's just not in my nature to do that whereas human beings are like no you ease somebody into well, I feel like situation. Like I feel like always the like kind of joke in terms of like robotic things versus human things is that humans' weakness is the emotional level. Yes, and that you get caught up in emotions when it should be all fact based and all right. Uh, right. You know, right? Yeah. That like, and that you don't actually, as a human being, you might know something logically but you don't really think about it until you're confronted with the reality of the thing. Like, right. And even if you know it logically, you, you might process it. Like, I feel like I say all the time, logically, this is the case, but what I feel is this, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, I mean, cause like I said, these are all military people or some, I mean, maybe it's not a military thing, but it's vaguely like that where they, yeah. they all know, like you get assigned a thing, then at some point that assignment ends and then you go yeah. on to the next thing. And they also, because diplom- diplomacy is a part of what they do, they have to know that being an emissary is not a forever gig. Um, right. And so they, so they do know that, 
deep yeah. somewhere in their minds. They know that, but they have also yeah. become friendly with this entity. And so they don't know it at the same yeah. time. Right. And so that is the issue at play here. Yeah. Um, so they're all kind of like left in this kind of entryway flummoxed and flabbergasted. Meanwhile, uh, the primary takes Isaac into another room and does this weird thing where he like opens up Isaac's face, like his head, and removes something that is, I guess, like the, um, it's like a super fancy uh, USB drive, I guess is how mm-hmm. you could, where all the important information he's been collecting has been stored this whole time. Mm-hmm. So the primary takes that out and kind of like puts it over like, okay, we'll go through this data. And then he shuts Isaac's face again. And then Isaac kind of immediately revives and reactivates. And he's like, okay, I've been shut down for this amount of time. What did I miss? Mm-hmm. And so the primary and Isaac are talking a bit and it's pretty cryptic, but already like in my notes, I was like a secret plan. <laughs> like that's what it's, that's that like like my handwritten notes literally say a secret plan question mark <laughs> secret plans really are never I mean it could be a good thing but uh usually the things don't turn out well with a secret plan in my experience and particularly I don't want robots hatching secret plans. No, I don't trust that. <laughs> no, uh, but we'll, we, we as yet as the audience don't entirely get what this conversation is about. Yeah. Um, but basically what you can surmise from it is that it wasn't just a, like, yes, it was about collecting information about humans, but there's more to it than that. And we don't know what the yeah. more to it is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, then we come back into the entryway and Isaac is like, bop, like, I'm back, guys. Um, <laughs> but he's like, but also I am leaving you forever. Goodbye. I'm back, but. <laughs> <laughs> I've just come here to say I am revived and I shall never see you again. <laughs> um, oh, my God. And, and it's a real, like, 180 turn because, like, everyone's so happy to see that he's been fixed or, or from their perspective, they're like, something was wrong. Now you're better. Um, and Isaac is like, I think you've misunderstood. I, now the plan is not for me to come back with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person who is the most upset about this turn of events is unsurprisingly Claire, who has developed romantic feelings for Isaac. Um, and who in this opening scene, it seemed like Isaac was also like, yes, I might be part of this family or it's unclear. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess um, they don't really show his um, particular side of it, let's say, like in that first scene. Right. Um, he kind of just stands there, and because of the nature of the fact that he's a robot, like he doesn't really have expression. <laughs> right. So everyone is a bit like, yeah, taken by surprise, I guess is maybe the best way to say it. And mm-hmm. Claire in particular, as is often the case, if you are in a romantic relationship with somebody, you don't want them ever to be surprised. Yeah. People in romantic relationships don't take kindly to surprises. <laughs> I 
mean, if you want to have and a I surprise party for your partner. Yes, that like- is not, I was about to say, that is not the same thing. Now, I personally, and my romantic partner, James, knows this about me. I hate surprise parties and I hate surprises almost of any type. Um, really? That's not really what I'm talking about. Yes, case. of course. And like a surprise gift or a surprise weekend away is not what you're referring to. Oh, I'll take a surprise gift any day of the week from <laughs> total strangers. Oh, that Come I don't on. know if I recommend. <laughs> um, well, it has to be a real gift. It can't be like I found a piece of trash and I'm a crazy person on the street oh, and well, giving like, it I mean, to you. Like, I would just also be careful that it wasn't like a bomb or something too. But true. Like, <laughs> but yeah, but a surprise in terms of like... I'm moving. <laughs> or, right, right. I'm, I've got a whole new big life plan. Right. Surprise. <laughs> that's not that's not great. Like, Usually your romantic partners don't react great to that if they have yeah. not been included in the discussions prior to the surprise reveal. Correct. And and also if like the surprise reveal doesn't include like we're also we're I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> right. Right. And that also they probably won't take kindly to, but at least <laughs> like It'll make more sense. Right. Indeed. So Claire does not react well to this. Um, in the, And then somehow, like, she's left... To, Claire's left to, like, mull this over or whatever. And then in the other room, Ed and Kelly, the first officer who I mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, they're talking with the Kalon Prime. And I think Isaac might be there, too. I can't remember. But they're trying to be like, hey, guys, so one of the other reasons we came here is to just see... If you guys were interested in joining the union, um, we've had a good experience with Isaac. And so, of course, the union would really, like, love to, cons- like, you know, talk about you guys joining. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kalon reaction is, like, why on earth would we ever join your You're union? You're shitty. <laughs> <laughs> you were, like, smarter than you. We have more technology. Like, there is no kind They're, of like, really benefit. honest. They're, like for reals honest and part of me likes it again I like, I struggle because part of me likes it and it's definitely a little bit funny watching but uh they're rude <laughs> well I mean yeah they don't deliver things the way a human being will being would, right because basically they're like you guys are too unstable uh it's too so we don't really see any benefit on our side we can yeah. see how you guys would benefit from having us because we are yep. so smart and intelligent, but we do not get any benefit from you. So frankly, we're not really like super jazzed to join the union. Um, and then I will say, <laughs> I did like this and they're like, and Kent, by the way, and they're like, well, you know, speak to Isaac. He had such a good experience. Like surely he might change your minds. And they're like, what do you mean he had a good experience? You abused him. <laughs> I didn't know. I forgot that part. What was the what was the abuse they were referring to? Well, because there were various things, and I did see this episode that they, they referred to. They were trying to teach him about humor. Oh, and they were, like, making fun of him So or they, like, they pranked him, and it oh. involved putting, like, basically they made him look like he had, like, Mr. Potato Head extensions on his face, kind of. <laughs> Okay. Um, but he, he wasn't aware that he had them on some, I don't know how somebody did this. Um, okay. 
But they specifically referenced, they were like, didn't you put like a mustache and googly eyes on his oh, face? Oh, okay. That's funny. That's and, a little bit funny. And they, were, and they were like, oh, abuse. Oh, no, that's not, you misunderstand. Anyway. Um, that's a little bit, that's pretty funny. Yeah. But so anyway, like basically Kalon primary is like, well, I guess we'll consider it now that you've explained some of these weirdnesses we've discovered from the data that Isaac brought back. And they're like, okay, that's like great. Cause that, you know, we would really love to have you join us. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back to this theme of surprises, Isaac is thrown a surprise going away party. <laughs> yep. And he, and oh, shoot. Oh, you know, oh, you know what? We didn't talk about this guy in the, in the, um, uh, talking about the characters, but the redheaded guy. Yes, that character is named Gordon. Okay, he's an actor I definitely recognize. I'm not really sure from what also. He's someone who's like, I feel like plays lots of parts in lots of different random shows and movies and stuff. But I was like, he sang a little song at this Bon Voyage party. It was kind of good. I was impressed. (laughs) Well, and as well, what I thought was funny about that particular song is like, so he walks up very close to Isaac and then like looks Isaac in his android eyes and then puts his hand on like Isaac's cheek or something yeah. and like is very soulfully singing to him. So that actor is Scott Grimes who was born in Lowell, Massachusetts, son. Oh, Ooh. maybe that's where I've seen him. Maybe I know him. <laughs> you you know him from all the time you hang out in Lowell? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um oh, he's married. He's married to the actor who plays Kelly. Oh. I did Wait. not know that. Wait, the actor who plays Kelly in this show? Yes, the first officer. Oh, interesting. And then hmm. in terms of stuff you might have seen him in, he seems to be, um, oh, he's like a mixture of voice acting and live action acting. But let's see, he has been on it's Party of Five. Show. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know him from that? Yeah, I can. I can picture it. Uh, so Party of Five looks like a big one. Uh, what else is on this list? He was in Band of Brothers, mm, which I know that. was a big deal thing in the early 2000s. He was in ER. Yeah, that I probably recognize him from too. Oh, he was in a bunch of ER. Oh, yeah, that's um, probably... Let's see what else is in the mix here that I think you might know. But he also did, he does, I mean, I don't know, but it sounded like he had a good yeah, voice. I think those are the two main ones you would know him from. Yeah. I was impressed um, with his voice, that's all. Also, though, do you recall the being that was playing the piano? No. Oh, man, it looked like one of the weirdest, I mean, I do like how in more modern science fiction shows, like, it's so much cheaper to do effects and costumes now than it once yeah. was, so you can do m- kind of more crazy stuff. So the guy, I well, I don't even know if it was a man or what it was, but, like, it was a person with a whole head gear on where it the alien that they were representing had, like, you know, se- semi-normal looking face, but I think it was, like, blue, two eyes, nose, mouth. But then there were five, like, tentacles coming off the head of this person, and each tentacle also had an, an eye at the end of it. Oh, whoa. 
I and do not blinked. remember that. Oh, yuck. <laughs> I don't, I really weird. don't remember that. Um, wait. Yeah. I just described him as weird face piano man in my notes. So that's, I mean, that, that um, fits. I didn't remember that, but. And then there's another good part in this whole little shtick about the party where Bordis, who's the guy who's got the funny head and is always very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, he like wants the flower piece of cake. Uh, oh, that, that was pretty funny. I thought that was excellent because like the person cutting the cake, she's like, oh, here, I've got a slice already cut. And he's like, no, I don't want that slice. And <laughs> she was like, what? And he was like, I want a corner piece. And she was like, do you want a piece with a flower on it? And he was like, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I remember thinking that was funny. Um, especially because... As I learned in other episodes, Bordis is meant to be like Worf in Star Trek. He's like that's that, what that he reminded me of. Very serious, wrinkle head situation yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, then uh, Isaac gives a speech, which I googled. It's Sally Fields' speech from when she yeah. won an Oscar. Yeah, um, I thought that was funny too. Those see, those were like the little moments that I thought were funny, and I thought, yeah. Um, yeah, and I noticed that. Right now, and, you really like me. Yes. And so, uh, then finally, uh, Claire, her kids, and Isaac talk a little bit at this party. And Claire is basically like, I don't really understand the decision, but, like, I just want you to know, like, I've really appreciated the relationship that we've developed. But in particular... Ty, who is the littlest one, is really angry and not understanding what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gives Isaac a picture of the four of them that he drew. And then what does Isaac do to the picture? Oh, gosh. Um, he just, <laughs> I had forgot, I did sort of forget this, but he just looks at it and drops it. Yeah. He just drops it on the ground. <laughs> um, and you're like, woof, that is heartless, son. And then you're like, yeah. well, you don't have a heart. So like, fine. He's rude. Um, he just is rude. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, Tala, who is the security officer for the ship, has discovered through her scans of the surface of the planet, there's like all this weird stuff, these structures that they can't quite work out what they are, but they appear as though they are weapons, and that's important for later. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ty, unfortunately, has found the picture on the ground and is very upset. And so he's run away to the holodeck uh, and gone into a program where he has climbed a tree in a big green field. Mm-hmm. Um, and Claire finds him... And climbs up to the tree to talk to him. And he explains that he's found this picture just left on the floor, basically like trash. And he's very upset. And Claire does her best to try and explain, you know, um, Isaac doesn't have feelings. He is not like us. And so he has hurt our feelings because of that, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, he just can't understand. Um... And Ty doesn't believe that. He's like, no, no, no. Isaac does have feelings, and this is terrible. Um, but basically, 
yeah, Ty just can't roll with this punch, I guess, is yeah. the way to describe it. And so because of that, he then runs off the ship to try and find Isaac to, I don't know, I mean, he's a kid, so I'm not sure he has a plan per se. Here. He didn't really like, seem to, not going to lie. <laughs> or like what the goal was. It was just like, yeah. I'm going to find Isaac. Um, yeah. But in the process of trying to look for Isaac on the surface, what he actually sees is some other Kalons, and he's, while he loves Isaac, he's afraid of these other Kalons. And fair so, enough. I mean, I don't know if I find them, at this point, I don't think I necessarily find them intimidating, per se. Um, but they don't seem like, but they're not the sweetest. No, they're and, not like fun, happy-go-lucky And they also, something but, that like, they don't talk about much, and I can't remember if it's ever, like, if we ever kind of figure out why, or maybe we do and I didn't get it, but Isaac has, he's got blue eyes, like, he's got blue glowy eyes and blue, like, his, his quote-unquote yeah. highlight color, I guess you could say, yes. is blue, right. and all the other ones are red. Yes, and they don't make that clear as to and if I don't, that means anything or not. Yeah, and I assumed sort of just from like a, a TV perspective that it was just so that we could identify when it was yeah. him versus yeah, the because rest of them. Some, so he's got blue eyes. I noticed that some of the Kalons had yellow and some oh, of really? them had red. Oh, I didn't notice um, the yellow. So I'm, yeah, I think it is meant to just sort of show a slight differentiation. I'm not sure that it's more than that. Um, uh, I mean, it did see, I do think that that blue... Uh, the choice of blue versus red, like um, blue seems softer and nicer. Yes. yes. <laughs> but um, so Ty like cowers behind this weird, like it almost looks like a garbage chute or yeah. something. Um, while these other Kalons are walking around. And then, for some reason, I forget exactly why, but he decides to climb into the garbage Not chute. a good choice. I was like, bro. <laughs> but it's such a kid choice. Like, it's yeah. so baby Jessica. Like, let me just go down this tube. <laughs> God. Um, yes, that's a nice timely reference, That folks. is. That <laughs> just, like, anybody who's not, like, 35 and older, that was just, like, and actually, to be honest, I'm not sure I 100% know, but I, I basically know. Now um, I got to see how old. I feel like baby Jessica is now like my age. At least. She's probably older than you. Um, yeah, baby Jessica is 35 years old. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe I didn't. Maybe I don't even really know. Like I know of what that means, but I don't know that I totally know what that means. She fell into her aunt's. Like, a well, right? Well, in October of 1987. Okay. And she was in there for two and a half days. Oh, holy shit. I, for first, I thought you were going to say two and a half years, but. Um, <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> but then I guess she'd be dead. Um, but two and a half days, shit. And she was how old? She was like. She two? was 18 months old. Yikes. Yeah. So anyway, guys, I just made a really of the moment, <laughs> current, contemporary, finger on the pulse joke. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, he goes down this weird chute 
tunnel thing. I don't totally mm-hmm. know what it is. Yeah. And when he gets down to the bottom, because there's like a ladder. So he's climbing down a ladder and he gets to the bottom and he finds this strange like underground tunnel and he starts exploring. And as we've already said so many times in this show, never explore. Don't explore, guys. I I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't have a curious soul <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. But like when I hear weird noises or when I like, not that I hear weird noises all the time, but like I, my, my instinct is never to explore the thing. No, I, my instinct is like just roll over leave. and hide under your blanket. And oh play yeah. Dead. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. If you right. If you're, if it's like I hear a noise in my house at night. Yeah. No, I'm not going fucking anywhere. Um, I mean, I, we've watched, like, haunted shows where to the point where we both can't, like, go to the bathroom alone at night in our, like, <laughs> a, in our, like apartment. Like, so Your I can't apartment even... where basically if someone is in the living room and someone else is in the bathroom, you're still in the same room. Like, right, that's right. wild. I mean, we're t- I'm talking about, like, at nighttime, not, like, going from the bedroom to the bathroom, not, like, I'm in the living room and I need you to come into the bathroom with me. But, like... um yeah. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we've. I mean, we've heard. We also do have a basement, and we've heard noises in the basement before, and been like, "Who's gonna go down and look?" Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's usually uh, none of us, or we both come. But uh, surely, just send Ginger. She would really. We should do that, and the, in the, in the, ne- the next time it happens, we'll send one of the animals. She'd be a good investigator. Yeah, she would. And she would be a good guard dog, too, because she, you know, never barks and is always terrified looking and is tiny. So she's a really good guard dog. Her report back to you would be like, I don't know what's in the basement because I saw a bit of dust on the way there. And I I don't know what was there. Yeah, I don't know what was there because all I did was get on a couch and lay down. But yeah, um, yeah, don't investigate. The bottom line is, Never Nothing do it. good <laughs> Never ever do comes it. from investigating because here's the deal. If <sighs> this is more about like horror genre stuff, but like if there's a killer in your house or if there's a burglar or blah, 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 you getting up is only going to get you killed mm-hmm. or get you killed faster than you would have or get you killed like it's not nothing good is gonna come from or you you get up and you leave the room and you go outside and there's nothing there meanwhile the The guy's coming left the person you left in the other room gets slashed and you come back to find a bloody mess where you that too that too right or you know yeah exactly no it's just guys fucking a watch any horror movie don't do it and in this case, what's discovered is even more concerning because yeah. so Ty starts walking down this weird tunnel. Meanwhile, Ed and Kelly are back on the ship and they're like, how come the Kalons can't make a decision about joining the union? And they have this whole thing where they're like, yeah, actually, wait a second. They're machines. The answer is either yes, we will join or no, we will not. That's one of Mm -hmm. the easiest. And they were like, it's like binary code. It's one or zero. It's one of the most Mm -hmm. basic functions of a mechanical 
brain is to decide yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, don't, they, they haven't done it. And they keep saying, like, we're going to think about it more. And so then Ed is like, I think they must be, like, stringing us along for some reason. But, mm-hmm. like, what could be the reason, right? Mm-hmm. Then the reason is revealed because Claire comes dashing in and she's like, Ty's missing. And they're like, oh, no. And so they do a scan. They find him on the surface of the planet. That scan thing was cool. I'll say that. I was like, ooh, that's a good technology. <laughs> uh, so they go. They discover that he's down in this tunnel. They find him in the tunnel. And he says, I think there's something bad down here. Mm-hmm. And so then... Bordis and Tala are the first to go kind of further and deeper into the tunnel. And what do they find? I couldn't make heads or tails of it when I first saw it. I was like, what in the F is all that? But what it is, is a pile of uh, bones. Yes, a massive pile of bones. That is like this whole big underground cavern full of bones and skulls. And when Tala does a scan, she says that it's, like, the equivalent to 500,000 bodies under there. Yikes. So, like, majorly, whoa, whoa, whoa kind of news. (laughs) Um, Majorly, like, GTFO type of news. (laughs) Indeed. Like, as we said, per our earlier conversation, (laughs) never investigate anything. Um, The results will never be good. Yeah. Um, so then this is revealed, and Ed and Kelly are speaking with Kalon Primary and Isaac, and they're like, we've just discovered all of these bodies of biological life forms underground. Like, what is the deal there? And the Kalons are like, we don't owe you any explanations. And they're like, well, no. Yes I guess and no. <laughs> technically you don't, but this is super creepy. Can you please... <laughs> Give a little bit of context. And then Kalon Primary is like, well, uh, this planet used to have biological life forms and us on it, and it became clear that coexistence was impossible, so we got rid of them all. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, I mean, things were already weird, but like, if I heard that in the, in this context, I'd be like, we rescind our invitation. We will just go now. <laughs> I would be literally, I would literally be tiptoeing backwards. Like I, I would be like, cool, 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 cool. That's an awesome story. Yeah, I hated those guys. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So um, that is more or less kind of what they do try and do. They try and they're like, oh, well, I guess we'll just leave then. <laughs> um, but then... They can't leave because the Kalons are like, we're taking you prisoner. And that's when they their heads turn into guns. That was horrifying. It was super weird looking. Because um, their like, like, eyes open up. It's like yes. their eyes open up and now they're like glowy red is now glowy red guns like coming off right. of their face. Right. And it was uniquely strange because what I just... What I realized about why it looked strange was not only kind of the actual, like, physical movement, because even the movement of, like, the head coming apart to become a laser gun or whatever, um, or two laser guns. Like, so instead of two eyes, you have two laser guns coming out of the head of this person. And it kind of looks like, 
like as if they got horns almost off the side. Yeah, yeah. But what's even more strange about this is that then their arms are just, all of them just kept their arms like, crossed at their stomachs like their hands very oh, casually notice that so it was like in the shootout that then i think that's when this happens there's a bit of a shootout and like it's this very again because the point of this is is to show us and not just tell us how different this species is from us you know like yeah because i'm like oh when i hear the verb shoot someone's shooting something their hands are involved. Yeah. Like, no matter what thing, is it a gun, is it an arrow, is it a laser, it involves using your hands to do that thing. Yeah. And this is this weird situation where the guns are firing out of the heads of these entities, and their hands might as well be, like, checking what's going on on Twitter on their phone. Like, it's, like, very, and so it just looks very odd and strange and ominous. Um, so, yeah, the crew is literally trying to be like, oh, well, we'll get out of here. But then they're taken prisoner. <laughs> um, and I think Ed even tries to, like, radio to the crew, like, just get off the planet. Something's gone wrong. But it's, like, mm. already too late. Because mm-hmm. then Isaac reveals to Ed and Kelly that the the reason he was sent to study humans was to determine how much of a threat level they were going to be because the Kalons have been planning to expand into the wider galaxy. And because of their experience with their own creators on their planet, they're like, in order for us to expand, all biological life forms need to be eliminated um, because coexistence with biological life forms is not possible. Yikes. Um, That's a bit even bigger yikes. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough reveal. um so that's when the captain is like oh shit and that's when he's trying to get like the rest of the crew off the ground but unfortunately the kalons have already kind of prepared for this so they're already boarding the ship taking everybody over rounding everybody up on the ship and taking them hostage taking them prisoner it's not Um, going well no and then i forget exactly i think it might be Kalon Primary, but either Kalon Primary or Isaac basically says to Ed, so we're taking you prisoner, and what you're going to do is we're heading to Earth, and you are going to ease the way for us and make it mm-hmm. look like we're coming in peace, and then that's our plan to like kind of ambush the Union, the Planetary Union. Um, and that is the end of part one, which is not great. I mean, it's not looking good. No, (laughs) I think even the final shot is those like weird spherical ships kind of like taking off from the surface. And that's the reveal that the thing they had seen earlier were these ships that were preparing to do a big attack, um, on the planetary union. Um, They're screwed. It it is not looking great. Mm-mm. So that is where we are going to leave things for this week. Uh, come on a nice jo- happy note. <laughs> yeah, n- nothing to worry about. Um, will Earth survive? 
will uh, Claire take Isaac back if he ever decides he wants to be taken back? Um, what else weird might happen <laughs> in the next episode? All of these questions and more will be considered next week. Um, so for today, thank you so much, Amy. It's been a pleasure as always. I am Sarah, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.